0: Hello folks, it's Graham Cove with another Mind Music. I hope you're all sitting comfortably wherever you are. Uh, if you're driving, please keep your eyes on the road uh, and, you know, stop before uh, you um, you do anything else with your phone or anything like that. Uh, we will be talking to Tim Easton in a minute about his new song and about his life in music. Uh, before that, I'm going to play a video. Uh, it's striking Uh, and has flashing lights at times. So uh, if you are prone to uh, any of those conditions, which that affects, please look the other way. If not, watch it deeply and, and then spend some money with independent musicians. Oh, and there we go. That stopped very quickly, didn't it? Sorry about that. Uh, that's that's what happens when you try and get a guitar on your lap at the same time as doing all of the other stuff. Tim, nice to see you. Hey, man. Now, Good morning. I'm going bla- to blame the fact that uh, we're late today on the fact that we were just noodling with guitars in the background uh, before we came on. That. And actually, we couldn't be bothered to do the interview. We just wanted to carry on noodling. But that's, yeah. not the, that's not the truth. It was all to do with chrome. And we're, making stuff like
1: that. we're making some pasta. We're making some pasta. We're making pasta in Safari, and you needed to take it over to the chrome.
0: But we were having a little noodle a minute ago. And apparently, what what key was this in? F-sharp minor. It's in F-sharp minor, apparently. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, if, you, if you enjoy if you enjoyed that song, uh, you can't buy it. Um, <laughs> but, but you could learn to play it on the guitar, which is what this guy here has learned to do. How, uh, tell us, when, when did you first pick up a, a guitar? When did that first happen?
1: Ooh, uh, I started really early. I'd say uh, 10, nine or 10 years old. My, my older brothers played and they would pass through town, you know, on Christmas or something. Um, there's a lot of traveling. I come from a really big family. Uh, I'm the youngest of seven. So, um, you know, yeah. Older brothers would come through. They had cool guitars. They played songs. They played American songs, some, some Beatles and Stones too. But, uh, you know, they, they played and I wanted to play. And they taught me, they teach me about a lick or two every year until I, until
0: I got my own guitar. Do you remember the first song that you actually learned to play all the way through?
1: Oh yeah. I do. Yeah? <laughs>
0: it was
1: uh it was um a solemn by Peter, Paul, and Mary, which is like a oh, folk thing. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, folk thing. So that you know, my brother taught me this basic That took yeah.
0: Just that little just that little
1: yeah. Yeah, just like how to hammer and pull off and, um, you know, just different blues licks. They were they were blues guys. They had country blues in them. They taught me about Doc Watson and stuff like that. And it was a slow build. But they're the ones that also clued me into the fact that if I wrote poetry, which of course you're getting grief from, you know, countless friends. Uh, if you wrote poetry and play guitar, yeah. that would uh, be a songwriter.
0: Well, that's not a lot wrong with that at all, is there? You know, it's just uh, what what was the poetry like to begin with?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it was it was poor, but I I think I rhymed uh, Briggs and Stratton. I know I write because I was just writing about it yesterday, so I I got good marks in some haiku I wrote like at the age of nine or ten, and yeah. that's when my brother told me, um, "Hey, if you write poetry and play guitar, you can write songs." And I started writing that day. Um, I I wrote I I wrote a song. It was kind of it was kind of basically John Lennon's Imagine, but from the Run point away. of view of a uh, of a yeah of a kid, you know, writing about angsty stuff about his parents. Um, it was called
0: Realize. So it was straight straight away. It was quite straight into sort of like pop type chords, really.
1: Absolutely, I had the Beatles songbook, and I just looked at these songs, and I looked at the chords they were using. And I would just say, oh, a B minor goes with a G. Like I would just learn, okay, all these chords go to good together. So then I would just rearrange them. I think my first song I wrote that I played in public, I took the chords to uh, drive my car, and rearranged them and wrote my own lyrics to it. It was just very, you know, it was an intuitive thing. And to this day, um, I have the Beatles XM Sirius station on my in my car. So when my daughter gets in the car I don't even have to tell her to listen. It's just on, right So I'm going through um, I guess I guess I entered a Beatles phase when I was about 12 and I'm still in it apparently. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. when vinyl was it, you like went through a Beatles phase if you're a songwriter, or a musician. You go through a Beatles phase every couple of years or every 10 years or something but i've entered it and never left it
0: was it was there a phase then after like the you know the straightforward chords etc where it then started you know you started to go backwards where you started to go like you started going you know sort of like 12 bar and blues and you
1: know. well yeah the blues or the blues you quickly learn blues or whatever you make of it yes right you no know, the blues don't have to be 12 bars I learned that, you know, I saw I was really lucky. I saw John Lee Hooker as a young man. I saw B.B. <laughs> King. Yeah, I saw B.B. King. I saw those guys. It was just about the feel. Sometimes it was just one chord. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. They would just do that for like five minutes. Is never even went to the four yeah, chords. That's the thing that
0: I always loved about John Lee Hooker. It was actually, it was all about what his foot was doing.
1: I watched. I watched him from five feet away. His foot was hitting the mic stand, and I do do that to this day. And yeah. he was staring. He was staring exactly. at a tall blonde that was next to me. She was really like this rock and roll girl, and he stared at her and sang the whole set right to her. And I was like, "Oh, I see what's going on here." Yeah, that's
0: the way to do it. That's the way. I mean, is. you know, he's
1: a blues man. <laughs> it was John Lee Hooker. I can't <laughs> believe I got to see John Lee Hooker. I can't believe I got to see. Uh, the band, one of the crazier shows of my life though. And I will say this, if we're going to talk about seeing incredible things uh, as a young person and not even barely knowing what you're doing, like when you read the Elvis Costello book, he talks about mm-hmm. seeing Sally Terry and Brownie McGee at a folk thing in like some small town. I don't know if it was Liverpool or where it was, but he sees these guys, you know, and it kind of has a, as, a, as an impact on them. Um, I, I saw, I, I was a busker, you know, I was a busker in London for a while. I was busking around Dublin, all of Ireland, and then uh, all of, you know, Spain, France, Holland. And then I ended up in Prague right after the Berlin Wall came down, which is a pretty cool place to be at the time. Sure. And uh, the Velvet Underground came to town. The original lineup of the Velvet Underground came to Prague in 1991, yeah. I want to say. It's on yeah. YouTube. Anyways, I saw the original lineup for that band with, like, Vaslav Havel in the audience, and it was just its one of those things where you're like, okay, I met something special. I know it's special, but, uh, you know, I mean, how many people got to see the Velvet Underground, period, you know, even when they yeah, were at, at their peak? Yeah, they only played, like, no one in America liked them. You know, that's why they came back when they reunited. They toured Europe a little bit, and they never even played
0: America again. Wow. North wow! 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 And you were saying saying last night that um, you you were quite an experience. Was it last night? You were quite an experience. It was two well? nights
1: in a row because it's the Country Music Awards Association mm. fanfare. Like all the pe- the town is crazy right now. Two nights ago, I got two dear friends that are in a band with a famous country star. They played the Grand Old Opry. I went to that, and you know uh, the the Oak Ridge Boys were playing Elvira. It was was one of those. Nights of like, whoa, country music. It's like having a little bit of culture shock inside your own country. It was really powerful. It was really big. It was amazing. And then last night I went to see Marty Stewart. He does a little thing called the Late Night Jam on the Wednesday night of CMA uh, weekend. And yeah, Joe Wall showed up. John Oates of Holland Oates. Uh, Sierra Farrell was there. It was, oh. it just, oh, Del McCurry. Del McCurry played two songs with his family band, you know, the Del McCurry band and um one of them was Nashville Cats um the other one was um the the Richard Thompson song um uh, Vincent uh red-haired Molly what's that song Vince uh Vincent 1950 whatever what's that song called Oh my god! Yeah, you know, yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah i know i know the one you mean
1: yeah the famous tune by Richard Thompson and i saw Del McCurry do that and um i've seen him do it before you know uh really luckily a couple of times i've seen that guy but last night at the Ryman in there, they were just in their element and it just sounded so beautiful. And you you wow. realize, yeah, you're in the presence of uh American music greatness, like bluegrass greatness. And of course, you know, Marty Stewart and the the fabulous superlatives, they are one of the greatest bands you would ever go see. They cover all the history of American music and then even do some freaky like birds-era. Um, 60s era sweetheart of the rodeo style um, country and also kind of beatly birdsy 12-string guitar stuff with Kenny Vaughn playing. It was it was beautiful. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's another night in Nashville. So yeah, sometimes another, I,
0: another night in Nashville. I mean, I
1: really sometimes it's, it's mind-blowing. And then I went across the the alley to Roberts, and Sierra Farrell came in there and sang a few songs with the band in there after getting off stage at the Ryman. Where by the way, she did get a standing ovation. And when you get a standing ovation at the Ryman, you're pretty much that's your, your career has been set. That's it. Yeah, you're good to go. I mean, no, it's hard work. It's not like it's still not hard work, but when you get a standing ovation at the Ryman and then get inducted into the into the Grand Old Opry at the same time, you know, it's like it's a it's a it's a huge thing that for a guy like me who's more of a folk musician, really. You know, for all, all, all of you out there, songwriters and, and music lovers, I've got tons of songs that, you know, if you go to Tim Punchy and Tim Easton on YouTube or anywhere, I've got so many tunes. I got a couple, you know, over 100 songs on Spotify. And you'll see there's some rock and roll and there's some influence from the British invasion for sure. Um, but... My, my roots really are in the in the songs and the music I learned from my brothers way back when, like American um, country blues, you know, uh, Sonny Terry, Brandon McGee, Lightning Hopkins, stuff like that is, is um, what I'll do when you see me live. I'll play a lot more of that style, although storytelling is a big part of it now.
0: I was going to say, it's, it's songs that tell stories. Yeah, 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 and that, and that, story, and that, and that is and it, that is folk, isn't it? In a way, if, anything that's yeah, you have yeah. to be
1: able. To, if, if I'm by myself, I can't afford to carry a band out on the road with me, so I have to fill in the tuning and such with with, with stories. Otherwise, it'd be
0: boring. Yeah. Well, they. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned a couple of things there, which I, I'd I'd like to get your take on, seeing as you're here, which is that uh, um, you uh, you may be aware that. that Country music over here is becoming massive again. At the back.
1: oh yeah, no, I love I love that there's a whole Americana UK sites. It's so funny. It's like we fought a revolutionary war, and then you guys basically showed us how cool our music was. That's what the 60s was. That the British invasion was like, oh, we are oppressing uh, the the black people that made the music. You know that we we caught the slavery and all that stuff caused the blues and the oppression over here, and then. Like the Beatles just basically took Chuck Berry and just showed, uh, you know, Elvis was, of course, part of it, too. But uh, the Beatles and the Stones basically just showed America how ass-shakingly cool our music was. And all of a sudden, boom, you just, you know, you revolutionized us with with music. And then it goes back and forth, you know, Mm. uh, Then, um, and uh, it's, yeah, it's like country music. Is always gonna. It appeals to everybody around the world because, uh, you know, I toured all across Russia before the pandemic, before the war, and it just like people, the stories and the the truth, the three chords and the truth about it. It affects everybody. Almost everybody can identify with some aspect of a Hank Williams song. You know, they're like, they're he's the hillbilly Shakespeare is what they call him, right? That's the great way to put it. It's like that although probably a little easier to understand than shakespeare for most most people but um you know it's just like it's just like perfect haiku stories of love love lost trouble and joy and uh all wrapped up in in a couple of verses in a chorus it's like it's the best and simplest way to convey music is that simple
0: hank williams style it's a, it's another similarity i guess between country and folk which is the you know the pursuit of um telling the story but to, also to, sort of telling retelling history um yeah you know and and sort of also in a in a way the pursuit of the underdog as well um we we recently on here i had uh angelina morrison who's mm-hmm. I don't know whether you're familiar with her work, but she created a a, a very important folk album last year, which was really a a celebration of black folk music in the UK, which has just never really been um, before, Um, produced by someone else that's been on, Eliza Carthy. From a very famous Oh, I
1: know Eliza Carthy and Martin Carthy, yeah. I saw yeah. Martin Carthy at Glastonbury um in the eighties. I was really lucky to be a street musician at, over there before before house music and dub uh, you know, before the the ecstasy rage uh hit, you know. I'm very lucky to to have been there. And, you know, just gone to Glastonbury and seen, you know, Van Morrison and the Water Boys. It was great.
0: I love I love that I kind of I love the you know the kind of genealogy of of those bands and the fact that you know the, yeah. the, these people you know they're, they're either real family members and they you know they keep that lineage over time or they you know you've you you picked yeah. up music from your brothers etc or, or they, yeah. or there's you know i mean you mentioned richard thompson um and by the way folks if you haven't re- read richard thompson's autobiography that's yeah. Brilliant. It's or great. listen
1: to uh, Richard and Linda Thompson's I Want to See the Bright Lights tonight. Oh uh, um, yeah, last year at Folk Alliance, the last two years, the the UK representation, I'm spacing out on some of the names of some of the women that just came in, you know, like the post Beth Orton British, like actual folk like what we call folk, you know, we, we, we like we change it up, but when you when you have British folk music, there definitely is a certain style. It often involves the dad gad tuning. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's, it's it's a thing it's a it's a it's a force you know we kind of blur the lines over here and people that love like the band and stuff like that or we take you know old songs and kind of make you know we don't we don't it's not always necessarily true folk music like in england it is like you you choose that direction or you choose the pop, or you choose the ska, or like beats and stuff like that, and hip.
0: There are people that cut across that. I mean, people like the Unthanks, yeah. who have like oh, created yeah. fantastic sort of almost, it, it, almost proggy bits of music at times. But then as well, you know, they've 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 literally sort of raided the archives and and yeah. you know d- done really traditional pieces, or or they've gone back and they've. You know, they did a whole album where they explored the songs of Robert Wyatt. There's, oh, cool, yeah. You it's know, a post, um,
1: It's basically, I tell people, if you if you study that music, you'd be standing on the shoulders of giants. If you study old music or the heroes of your heroes, if you if you dig, you know, you use the Beatles example. It's like it's it's strange. It's not you know. It's like picking Beethoven or Mozart when you're talking about classical music. The Descendants. If you study the heroes of those guys, if you're like, oh, so you like uh, the Everly Brothers, then you'll learn about the Everly Brothers or Chuck Berry um, or Little Richard, you know. And then you watch that Little Richard documentary and you look where he took his things from and you keep going back until you end up basically in a cave, you know, with a guy like eating on a cave wall, (laughs) you know, while someone's drawing a picture, you know, while someone's like banging some bones against a a drum or the drum, the first instrument. But yeah, you got to study the heroes of your heroes and if you do do that, you can make music forever. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to make a living doing it forever, but you'll kind of enjoy making music forever if you have all that history inside you. I'm, you know, I'm not like uh it's how do say this, you know, massively, uh, you know, household name and and all that and, and and but I'm able to make a living as a musician because I'm I'm able to to use this what I've learned to to play to play shows. And I'm able I'm able to work, you know, I'm able to continue working and I feel really fortunate. And I can only say it's because my brothers and sisters had cool vinyl records that I learned about good music from. And it had a it they, they're the ones that told me to, to keep studying the old stuff. You know, when I was in high school, Prince and Cindy Lopper and yeah, Men at Work, that was on the radio, right? Um, men at Work and stuff, and I've since, you know, played gigs with Colin from that band, and you know, you just, that was what on the radio. But my brothers told me about Doc Watson, and from Doc Watson, I learned about Mississippi John Hurt. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it had a it. The studying the heroes of your heroes is all I could say for anyone listening to this that wants to make art of any kind, really, painting, cooking. Uh, poetry, et cetera, is just keep going back and study. Keep going study. back.
0: Keep going back as far as you can go. Uh, whilst yeah. you were talking about that, you kind of reminded me of that scene from uh, the, the documentary, It May Get Loud, where... Um, oh, yeah, Jack White. Jack White. And there's that scene where Jack White literally gets a, a block of wood yeah. and, and just creates with one string, creates a guitar, and he goes, that's a guitar. You know? <laughs> My
1: favorite thing about that movie is how, when the Edge shows them that he doesn't play his, e- they they play this big meathead E chord, yeah. you know, the clunky ass rock and roll E chord, and then he shows that his E chord is this one. Uh, wait, uh,
0: yeah, he's got this one. That's his E chord. Is more that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's got that. It's got that bottom end. It's got what? It's got that top end to it, which makes it ring out Yeah. More
1: yeah, I've seen folk musicians play their E chord that way, but I I thought that that was a cool, uh, you know, representation of a modern changeup in in guitar styles. And you know, there's from a from a band that like it never it never really grabbed me. Of course, I admire them in their their uh, their incredible long career, but like you too, I, I went more in the as an American, I went more in the direction of REM at that time. Like that was more my camp you know yeah when i was in university studying poetry otherwise known as drinking a lot of beer and uh you know hanging out going to see bands going to see the pixies um going to see interesting new bands that were coming up um
0: yeah i'm not going to argue with that green is still one of my favorite albums Um, yeah that's you know it's just before it got too commercial And, you know, but it it was, it was, that was great. That was a great pop out. I
1: was a street musician at that time and I was working in Tottenham Court Road at a pub right across from Denmark street where all the guitars are sold in London or were. And uh, so there's a pub right there and it was next to a famous Americana, a rootsy Americana club called the Borderline, I think. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty big club at the time. The green tour was happening. REM was in London and I was working at the pub next door um, you know, I was a busker and I was working at a pub, and um, and REM came in and they had a little secret show at the borderline with uh two of the guys from Squeeze and Robin really? Hitchcock, Robin Hitchcock and Billy Bragg. And um, so Billy Bragg and Robin Hitchcock and Peter, that, Bragg, like
0: Chris, Chris Difford, or um, from Squeeze, they,
1: yeah, I forget. Well, they formed a, like a little band that night that was called um. Either Robin and the Crosses or Bingo Handjob, <laughs> Depends on what your historical thing. But they, they played that night. And I remember they played You Ain't Going Nowhere by Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I also remember being very drunk. But anyways, and talking to Michael Stipe. But yeah, that's, I I saw, I didn't see the R.E.M. show. But I went and saw the secret special show that was at the bar next to the You club. almost
0: saw something better, I think.
1: Well, I mean, it was pretty cool that I got to go to that. And another thing that I remember, Peter Buck—it's one of those weird things you remember. And I've I've gotten to know him a little bit through the years. He was wearing soccer cleats, like football cleats. That's what he <laughs> wore for shoes. Yeah, he wore, you know, he wore cleats on his. I don't know if they were the metal. No, they were the you know the plastic cleats. That's that. Those are the shoes he wore around, which is, I thought that might be a little slippery on the on the marble floors. But, um, anyways. Just a little tidbit from my busking past when I was, you know, wow. I was playing. I used to run the green line from like out to Heathrow and back. And one time when I got busted, right around that time I got caught by the police. And they asked me my name. I told them that my name is Peter Buck. I remember using his name to give to the, <laughs> the cops. The so, yeah, it just one of those little, little busking bits when I was, you know, getting
0: chased around by the police in the underground. What's brought you around to, to write in this piece of music that you you're releasing now? It was really clearly a friend,
1: a friend that was dying. And mm. that's all it was. I was on tour in Holland and he just kind of refused to do anything about it. It was very really sad and he fell down and he was in on life support. And I, I was on a train in, in, uh, in, uh, Holland. Uh, I was going from Amsterdam out to do a, a media thing. And, um, I just wrote those words down, and then when I checked in my hotel, I pulled out the guitar and I, I wrote it so fast.
0: Was it was and it I, a feeling that you, there's nothing else I can actually physically do here? I, yeah, I, just I've, I've, I, got to, I've got to do what I can do, which is write a song yeah, about
1: it. I'm just telling him to hang on to the sliver of light. You know, hang on to the light, please, please. And it was very difficult, you know, and and but I knew I had to. I, I wrote it. It just it's something that songwriters do in cathartic moments
0: Mm. of like, it's almost a prayer.
1: Yeah. Let's just, yeah. It's like a prayer, like a release. And, um, the baseball comes into it because he was a baseball fan, you know, he loved baseball. So there's a lot of metaphors in, in sports, in American baseball, we can go on, you know, uh, I'm not like a huge baseball guy, but I do. There's something about going out on the pitch, you know, and I've gone to a couple of, of football matches overseas as well in Spain. There's something about going into that space that's, I was going to say relaxing. It's not necessarily relaxing when I've done it in England, but there's something relaxing about a baseball. Yeah, it's a little bit more wild over there. But like baseball itself, when you go out under that green, it lowers the blood pressure and it's really relaxing. And I enjoy that. And I tried to bring that somewhat into the, into the second verse of it. But, um, you know, I just, all I know is that I wrote the song and I recorded it right away and then we we put it out in between um two albums i just finished making a whole new album i went to canada and made a folk album basically so that'll come out next year but uh cool yeah i i write songs man i I write a lot and uh sometimes we find something to do with it and i appreciate you you know wanting to rap about all this stuff
0: it it's a great it's a great song it's got a great energy to it and it's got a great you know in a way it's quite poppy as well
1: yeah that's the band um cheers that's that's the band i the band you know that's that's live that's take one okay that's the other thing about nashville musicians that's take one i'm singing live with the band we did three takes and then we listened back and i go oh take one's the one and then i think there was a little he doubled the solo just to make it pop out more, but that's what he played. That's what we all played on the first take. So you know, I I demoed it, I had my arrangement down, right? And I I did an iPhone demo and I sent it to the band and this is Classic Nashville. Those three guys are the band for, uh uh-oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. She's like, oh my gosh. She's a famous country music singer, like kicking ass right now and I can't remember remember her name. (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, wait, I got it. I got it. Hold on. Stay right there. Yeah, oh
0: look, we, we couldn't possibly not not do this.
1: This is crazy. Oh
0: my god, I can't find it. Look, look, this is what just what happens when we get to our age, Tim. We just can't remember things.
1: Oh my it's, gosh, think, I'm feeling really disrespectful. Um, it's not. I just that. saw her. I just saw her play, and I I have it written down here somewhere because I have the. Oh my gosh, I don't know where it is. Okay, well. Yeah, welcome to my world.
0: Um, well, Tim, Tim, what we do is we make sure we tag them in. To the, you let me know afterwards, and I'll make sure I tag them in. I just go. feel like an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just. i gonna look it up. I
1: just feel so spacey. Um, man, she got a. She has a song called Watermelon Moonshine. Oh, I, I, Googled, I Googled Watermelon Moonshine and the recipe came up. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> oh, my God. Lainey Wilson is her name. Lainey Wilson is fantastic, and my friends are in her band.
0: And um, oh, that's my daughter calling. I'm i going to just decline that. You should fast. have said that was Lainey calling to, to <laughs> say. <laughs> she's,
1: she's, she's having a busy week playing with Lucas Nelson and a lot right. of people. So, Lainey Wilson is just a great songwriter and and country artist who's new, but you know she's been in this town for 10, 11 years, kicking ass, and now she's she's nailing it. You know, she's she's flying the private
0: jets and um, doing very well.
1: And, well, um, well, we need
0: to get we need to get Lainey on to say oh, I can't remember his name, Timmy. Easton. Yeah. I, think it, <laughs>
1: I mean, I just I was just backstage you know, cur- <laughs> courtesy of her the other day, and it was like. I mean, it was crazy. Like Randy Travis was there; Randy he's in Travis. a wheelchair. It was just an yeah. amazing uh, Nashville moment of country music. Is very um, as a genre is very accepting and very yep. friendly and very open. The gatekeepers, there are gatekeepers and all that in that world, but it's still it's there's there's not a big wall between the people that make the music and the fans that love it. Like they, you know, you're welcome together. I'll never forget opening up for Willie Nelson, one of my first big gigs. And he signed autographs, you know, two hours into the night, there was a line out the bus, there was a snowstorm in Cleveland. And he, he signed autographs until the last person was done with that line. I mean, that's, that's what's going on in that world. That's the difference between that world and say, um, I don't know, hip hop or pop music. Um, You know, it's not like, It's not like taylor swift wouldn't do that because she started in country music but it's like let's face it the line to get an autograph from taylor swift would be a couple of days long
0: yeah quite ginormous i mean i think what's great is and we you know we try and span the the spectrum on this program is that we know in the last few weeks we've had some um young american artists that have been on here who are literally just at the start of their career, who are coming through that kind of country line and they have amazing voices, but they're, as you say, they're looking back and they're going, yeah, my influences were, you know, and these are the record, these are the records I love. And, you know, it's not, yeah, they're appreciative of uh, modern day peers like, uh you know like the young lady that we just spoke about because she's doing sorry no i i I was mentioning the other one that that you would have to queue around the block for um
1: Um,
0: yeah yeah. right because people like that have done a lot in terms of instructing them in terms of how to do the business
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but actually and that's not necessarily where their musical origin is trying to come from they they've done their history and they, they go, they've gone back and they're saying oh yeah actually yeah i i'm i i go right the way back here and it's this is this is where this comes from which is great you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's great that young people are, are still playing vinyl it's great that young people are still you know Bothered to learn about the history and and you know take that all on, but you need to if you if you're going to develop that. If you're going to develop, uh, I have to say some of those skills that that come from, or have any
1: real longevity in your career. I mean, I hate to say it, but like those that just when I ask a drummer who their favorite drummer is and they tell me Dave Grohl, that's fine and all, but. you probably ought to you know, keep going back and find out who his favorite drummers are and yeah. start studying them. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I can't say that I'm at the beginning of my career. You know, this is, this is not toothpaste that I left in my beard here. Yeah. I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm, i I'm, I'm, I'm comfortably middle-aged over here in Nashville, Tennessee, but luckily I studied folk music. I've been playing this kind of music since I was a street musician, since I was a busker. And, um, I played Sonny Terry, Brandon McGee. I did play some Bob Dylan and some John Prine. And I did play some REM. I, you know, I played and you know, I did play some contemporary stuff. I played some Ween songs, I remember. But mostly when I was on the streets playing, these songs were old. And there's always, you know, I I barely was even doing Beatles and Stone stuff. I was doing the stuff that inspired them and influenced yeah, them. Yeah. But as as it always was, it is in the music business the guy that was down the Charles bridge in Prague singing Beatles songs only exclusively, right. His crowd was five times as big as mine. You know, I did fine with my 20 Bohemians and, you know, uh, you know, pre pre hipster Bohemians drinking champagne and smoking rollies on the Charles bridge. Um, I did fine with that audience, you know, and I, people. it was beautiful and had, you know, it's almost, uh, it's super romantic era, right? Um, but he, the guy that was singing Beatles tunes, it was like, you could barely pass. the, the, the it was so crowded where he was, you know? So the, the music, and you know, when I, when I bust the, the, the steps of Montmartre, right? In Paris, the guys, the, the Middle Eastern guys that were singing, um, the Hotel California, <laughs> the, 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 Mrs., uh, the Mrs. Robinson, you know, those guys, we're cleaning up, right? Um, the the those guys were nailing it. The Lebanese band, I remember these guys were Lebanese guys, and they just their harmonies were beautiful, and they they would sing Hotel California, and they would crush it. You know, today's probably still that one, still probably one of the songs. But um, I would get that request all the time in Paris. You know, the Hotel California, all the time, and I was like,
0: ah, uh, no, yeah. As much but, as I, it, I, 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 haven't, I haven't got the accent for it, is what you say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Welcome I mean, to the Hotel California. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. no! I think you've got you. The thing is that it's very easy to burn out as well, though. If all of your if if all of your musical well just comes from Pop, and all just comes from.
1: Yeah, you got to from... go back. You, that's how long your career will last. It'll be a flash. It's a flash in the pan type thing. If you if you're just studying, what's around? I'm not, you know, what do I know? Here I am. You know, basically a struggling, hustling folk singer. I mean, let's be realistic here. I I'm lucky that I get to go do this, but it's like constant hustle. It's a constant bit of work. You know, I'm I'm I don't have a manager. I have a booking agent, hey. and I basically. I'm, I create my own world by putting it out there. Like that song, I could have just written that song and moved on with my life, but I was like, okay, I'm going to write the song. I'm going to record it. I'm going to grab some guys that I know that'll kick ass with it. I'll make a video and I'll do something. So you have to like, you have to be ambitious and actually not just think about it and sit around and dream about it. You've got to get on it and go do it. No one's handing it to you. You know Um, it's, I'm really lucky to have, uh, Black Black Mesa Records in Oklahoma helped me put out my records. You know, I'd like to call it a mom and pop shop. You know, record label, but it's really a pop. There's it's one guy, Chris Payne. Look,
0: look, do you know those independent record labels are so important? I mean, that's yeah, why that's why you know we're we're working with Analog Trash on this show. You know, because similar, you know, it's a family feel type record label. It literally is that. You know, they all. The, the artists on that label feel like they're part of a family. and it, Yeah. It, you've got to
1: start somewhere. You know, yeah. th- you know, you want to think big. I think it's better to think small at first, like let's put on a nice little thing for our community. What can we do here in wherever you are just to like boost up this neighborhood, boost up this area and then take it from there. And yeah, Black Mesa Records is based in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there's a bunch of great songwriters on there. A woman named Beth Bombara is on there. Um, You know, John Calvin Abney. Um, There's a lot of great songwriters on that. So if you're listening, listeners out there want to check out a cool um, independent record label in Oklahoma, it's
0: called Black Mesa Records. People will. I promise you that the audience of this show will go and check it out. That's what's so good about this. We don't play. Well, we did actually today, but we typically don't play any music on this show, and that's what I like, love about it. Because what we do is we actually talk about music. We talk about the people that make music, and through that, people go, oh, "I want to go and find out." Yeah, and then they, and then they do go and find out. And yeah, come on over to <laughs> yeah, There's an effort in there, and that's. You know, that's important because we live in a world now where you can scream at a dot in the corner of your room and something will come out of it. And Mm -hmm. too often people will just, you know, tell it to play the next thing and they don't even know what's coming out. It becomes music. It's not music. Yeah. They're just hearing that thing in the background. I love the fact that I, you know, we're developing an audience here of people that actually bother. So that's great. Yeah, I know I'm bother today, thanks.
1: Yeah, the algorithm is I can't dance to the algorithms um, all the time. I need I need some human interaction. You know, my, I love radio still to this day, and I love DJs that get into the history of stuff and 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 even get a little political here and there, like uh, Little Steven of uh, Bruce Springsteen's band. He's got a show that's digital thing, but it's like it's just great when a DJ really talks about the history of music and. And, and shows what things were happening at the time of the, of the creation of the track. And uh, Nashville, Nashville really is crushing it with local radio. We've got a couple of public stations here that are amazing playing new music mixed in with, you know, the clash or something like it's, it's very, it's, we got some good, good radio here. we got a great roots radio station, WMOT. If your listeners are into roots music and the history of, of American music, Music and then the contemporary roots. There's a station called WMOT here in Nashville that I'm sure you could just broadcast it uh, anywhere uh, in the world, which is the the beauty of the internet, really. Um, and then we, you know, we just got we got some some cool stations here. And I don't need to put on uh, some playlist from my phone when I get in the car. I, I actually have DJs in this town that want me to hear an hour of the new psych folk music or something that's different or some bluegrass. That's just, you know, there's just so much rockabilly. We got all these different little programmers here that are doing cool things like right on the radio. So very, very fortunate without a doubt. If you're a young songwriter or musician out there or just whatever, it doesn't matter how old you are. Nashville, Tennessee right now is kind of, it's kind of remarkable how easy and accessible it is to be close to, um, extremely talented and passionate music people. Um, the bar that's down the street from my house, Dee's Country Cocktail Lounge. I mean, it's just, man, you know, Molly Tuttle was in there the other day. Um, Sierra Farrell's been in there, Margot Price. They'll just join the band for a song or two. And, you know, it's just really, it's, and just in general, the unknowns that are playing there every night
0: are remarkable. It's great. Oh. I grew, I grew up with that. Um, when I went to uni, well, when I went to university, um, where you know, I, used to, I went to university in Sunderland, and we used to go to a folk club. Oh, cool! Virtually, you know, once once or twice a week, um, and you would literally get up, you join the band, you you play something, you would play something. Someone would write, read a bit of poetry. We need more of that. Bring it! Wow. Up, yeah.
1: Okay. That's yeah. That you're speaking my language there.
0: Bring it all um, back. I, love,
1: I love old folk clubs in uh, in the UK and Ireland. I've been to some amazing ones where, I you know for me now, it's like the older, the older and and grayer and beardier the person, the more fascinated I am with like their their knowledge of songs and what I can learn from them. You know, it's pretty pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Listen, Tim, we could talk all day, but I'm going to have to go and cook tea in a minute for for, for a load of young people. So. Let's just let's just talk about uh, the the music so that everybody knows where to go and find it. Yeah, yeah. Sliver of Light, Tim Easton um, is the single that we've we've been talking about. Do go and check it out. It's available as all good music is on, uh, on all of the platforms. But please do if you if you could really check it out on the main page of uh, the, the record company where where it comes from and and maybe then see all of the other fantastic artists. That are on there at the same time. I think that's probably, is that probably the best place to go for it, Tim. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. It's pretty easy with if you have a Google machine or a pocket oracle, you know, or whatever robot you're listening you're living with, whether it's Siri or Alexa or whatever, whatever robot you guys live with over there in the UK, you tell the robot to play Sliver of Light by Tim Easton and it'll pop up. Or you can punch it into your browser and your computer. It's pretty easy these days. You don't have to be Columbo. Uh, If you can just punch in some letters into a browser on a computer, you can find it. So yeah, Sliver of Light, Tim Easton, Black Mesa Records. And uh, thanks everybody for connecting me uh, with you and and, um, just basically all you music lovers over there and anyone listening to this today. I appreciate you supporting the independent, the true independent artists of your life that are out there creating songs and might not have the big, massive machine behind them but they have a family of music lovers uh behind them so i
0: appreciate it well and we appreciate you making that music and staying true to yourself so thanks tim thanks for coming on today thanks for uh, having thanks for speaking thanks for getting the guitar out as well and being a good sport about that folks please do check out tim easton's music if you haven't heard it before delve into it you know and as you delve into his music You'll go back and find more people that he has been influenced by. And that's the way that the journey goes. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, this has been my music. If you haven't enjoyed this, this has been a parliamentary broadcast on behalf of some boring parliamentary party. Uh, if you would like to share this, just tag some friends in and share it around. Not for me, but for all of the Thank musicians you. that come on. Until next time, this has been Graham Cove with another My Music. Bye for now.